1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Marriage or Martini's. I'm Adam. Here's Danielle. Hello. What a fun, different interview we just had with Marlo and Phil. Marlo and Phil. Yeah, yes. we're in a first name. We are in a first name yeah, basis. We're mm-hmm. tight. They're
0: coming over for dinner next week. Very,
1: <laughs> very different for us, for what we're used to putting out. But it was a very cool, unique, different experience. And I enjoyed it. And My apologies to everybody. I I had to rush home from work to be part of this. I really, really wanted to be part of this interview and just been working nonstop. And I was so excited to be able to speak with them and be here for this. And even at one point, Phil asked me, hey, Adam, do you speak? (laughs) And I thought I was talking a lot, at least maybe in the beginning I was. Towards the end, maybe it was mostly you. I don't know what happened, but I thought that was pretty funny.
0: Yeah, they they were really sweet. And Marlo is known for her starring roles in television hits like That Girl and Free to Be You and Me. She married TV producer and talk show host Phil Donahue in 1980 and serves as the national outreach director for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, which was founded by her father, comedian Danny Thomas. And of course, Phil Donahue of The Phil Donahue Show established a new mold for daytime talk shows with his audience participation and exploration of controversial, issues and he won numerous Emmy Awards and like you said this was a different interview for us because they are kind of the antithesis of us and the fact that they are so classy and um, well-mannered and play- we're not classy and
1: well-mannered no oh, wow. we're
0: really not what we are not known for that at all But I loved talking to them, and they were so sweet, and they were excited to be on the podcast, which was awesome. And they are actually starting their own podcast, and we are hopefully going to be on that. They did ask. They did ask. So
1: we're not begging here. They did ask. We're not
0: begging. Um, So enjoy this, all about their new book, which is called What Makes a Marriage Last. They put out on their 40th uh, anniversary, and they spoke to 40 celebrity couples all about secrets of their marriage, and they reveal a lot of them to us in this interview. So enjoy. We want to thank you guys so much for coming on. It's very exciting for us. I think for me especially, who listened to Free to Be You and Me on repeat throughout my childhood. <laughs> so thank you so much for being here. Um, we love the book, it's fantastic. Yeah, and um, it was really fun to read about all the different couples, especially from a standpoint of When we think about couples, celebrity couples especially, I think that a lot of us, like, just picture their lives being so perfect and how, yeah, you know, and how easy it must be because they're successful and they have these benefits and everything, but you guys definitely covered a lot of couples in this book who went through real trials and tribulations. I mean, from- Kevin Bacon and Kira Sedgwick and in they invested their money with Madoff and um, Michael J. Fox and his wife and dealing with Parkinson's. And I mean, you guys definitely tackled a lot of issues. So for me, that was really cool to see uh, that.
2: Yeah. And also. you know, it's not like we said, okay, let's talk to them. They lost money. Let's talk to them. They were addicted. You know, we didn't think that. We just, we picked couples that we admired and that had been married a long time and that we thought would be fun to talk to. And also was a wide range of occupations like a president of the United States and Melissa McCarthy and then John McEnroe and you know, ba- oh, Bob Woodward. So we had writers and newscasters like George Stephanopoulos and a comedian like Billy Crystal. So that's what we were looking for was the difference in professions. It wasn't until we started to um, interview everybody that we realized famous
3: now, famous fleeting
2: right and and also that every challenge uh that you can imagine was in these 40 couples whether it was as you said parkinson's disease with michael and tracy or losing your money to madoff like kira and kevin or jesse jackson who had a baby out of marriage with another woman or um uh, jamie lee curtis was a drug addicted um his name? David Burka Neil Patrick Harris his husband is uh, was an alcoholic so everything you can imagine every challenge that one could imagine plus all the other challenges like jealousy and all those things mm-hmm. um, and what we all fight about whatever the heck that is so that that was what was interesting is that when you when anybody in in life whatever challenges come forward it really, challenges like the pandemic they don't say oh oh he's famous so he won't get the pandemic right? right everybody's gonna get every challenge every virus every everything and uh and I think that's one of the um, I hadn't realized that that would have been an important feature is to say to people hey everybody's got the same problem you know did you think that
3: I did Yeah. we well they're all famous so. <laughs> We, feel, we felt we'd uh, speak to a lot of happy, famous couples. <laughs> well, my dear. So you thought. Uh, we were wrong. Uh,
2: it's life. Yeah. You know, life, life gives you a lot of challenges. And, uh, and we wanted to see, you know, what, what challenges did people face and what did they do to make the marriage last?
3: Mm-hmm. And we
2: were very clear that we weren't going to make a how-to book. A how-to book would be like this big, you know. How 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 to be happy, be nice to each other, be courteous, be respectful, be trusting, be loving, and those are all good things. But it's only a pamphlet. You, it's only by experience do you get the what of it. You know, what did you do when that thing happened? And you know, we didn't lose all of our money to Madoff, and thank God we don't have Parkinson, but we have our own things, right? And so what everybody had to face. I think it helps people. I think that's why the book is so popular is because if you thumb through it, you know, and yeah. every couple not only had a challenge, they had several challenges.
1: Yeah. I want to reiterate a little bit of what Danielle just said. We started this podcast kind of just to let other, I want to say normal people like us, you know, I'll put little air quotes up when I say normal <laughs> That, you know, we, that was normal too. I know, I know. That's why I'm trying. I, I don't know what word I was, should have used, but that there's challenges in every single marriage, no matter who you are, no matter, you know, what level you're at, we're all struggling and, and nobody knows what else other people are going through and that it's similar to them. And what you've done is to shown to all of us who we think, oh, well, they're famous. They're celebrities. They have money. They have whatever the case may be. No, we have a real marriage too. And I think that's really important. Just as what we are doing with our podcast, to let people know, it doesn't matter who you are or what you are. Marriage is marriage, and we all have the same problems.
2: And life is life. Right. right. Yeah. You don't get out of it alive, as they say. You know, you're gonna you're going to have all those problems, and you're going to lose your parents, and God forbid, you could lose a child. You could lose you know, will you, you lose a sibling? I mean, all the losses we go through, you lose a job, you know.
3: Nobody gets married and sails through life without a problem. No, sir. Right. Ma'am. Right. uh, Somehow that, I don't know why that was so hard for us to understand before.
0: (laughs) Right. uh, Well, I want to go back a little bit because one of my favorite things that you talk about is when you met. And I love that story, and I didn't know it before. Um and I think that we probably have a lot of listeners who don't do it who don't know. So if you want to just briefly tell, I think it's an awesome story that I can't really just skip over
2: i'll let' I'll let Phil do it because it was on his turf.
3: Well, we met on my program. Milo was a guest. And uh, I first met her in the green room, And I said to myself, "Wow." Uh you know the eyes <laughs>
0: and, you guys are so
3: cute and you know a great body she was an impure thought if you're catholic you'll know what that
0: <laughs> We're jewish and we know so
3: <laughs> yes. uh catholics invented guilt and the jews perfected it right.
0: there
1: you go said well
3: um so uh we went, you know, we met later. I was nervous.
2: Well, first we did the show.
3: Yeah, yeah, I said later. Yeah. Well.
2: But I mean, the he we met in the green room and he, he, he had this reaction to me, this impure thought thing, which is probably the way most marriages start with a little bit of lust, right? Hopefully. Uh, yeah. And, um, and I had the same feeling. I thought, oh, those killer blue eyes, that white hair. You know, it was like a shampoo commercial. Everything got kind of fuzzy and slow motion. And, <laughs> and then we went into the studio. And in those days, on the Donahue show, he had one guest for one hour. So you had a whole hour to talk to someone. Not, not like today, where, you know, they've got five people on at the same time. Yeah, it's like
3: Hollywood Squares. Yeah, right. But you're too young to remember that I know, program. oh that's love <laughs> that
2: Yeah. So anyway, so we flirted for a full hour. And uh, uh, unintentionally, I mean, he was just asking me personal questions like, who are the guys that I date? What kind of guys do I date? I bet they're not neurotic, he said. And uh, and I was going, oh, Phil, you're so funny. <laughs> uh, and uh, and then and when the hour was over, uh, he uh, called me the next day and asked me to dinner. There you um, go. That was that.
0: So but it really the- was sort of love at first sight.
2: It was, it was It was a lot of things at first sight. I, I think I was very interested in him. Uh, he, when he came into the green room, he was putting on his jacket and he said to me, I'd like to talk about your mother, is that okay? I said, my mother? Well, my father was Danny Thomas, a very famous comedian. Johnny Carson never asked me about my mother. Everybody asked me about my father. So I thought, wow, this guy's interesting. He's interested in my mother. You know, he had a daytime show at a huge female audience. And he knew, you know, that the audience would be interested in who raised me, you know, who was my model, my mother. And so I I was impressed with that. And I was also just impressed with, you know, aside from the fact I thought it was cute and sexy and all that, which was a plenty, just for a first impression. He was just so smart. He was really, really smart guy. And I...
3: (laughs) (laughs)
0: and you just celebrated your 40th anniversary so congratulations that's amazing
2: how long have you two been married
0: Almost 20 years. Oh, great. 18. Well, 18.
3: Almost
2: 18 years.
0: Yeah. We're getting up there. And I always say, one of the things that we always say on the podcast is, we always say forever is a really long time to ask somebody not to make any big mistakes. Right. That, you know, that if you really are, because I know that you guys interviewed people, most of the couples you interviewed had been married 20 plus years, a few 15 to 20 or, you know, a few exceptions. Right. And it's true that in that time period that we kind of have to know that if we're going to be in it for the long haul, there's going to be stuff that, you know, is going to, there going to be mistakes are going to be made. Um, right. You yeah.
3: know, yeah, but nobody, nobody, uh, well, at least we didn't. You know, you don't get married thinking, oh boy, there's going to be problems. Right. And there always are. Right. So, uh much of much of the conversations we had dealt with problems that the couple was experiencing, and uh, that led us to a lot of honest uh, uh, candid conversation about how they dealt with it, what they thought while it was happening. You know it's a big surprise to go from that beautiful white dress and all the rice flying around, and all your relatives, from that to problems is, uh, is a real challenge for a lot of people. But the I thought,
2: when we've talked about this together, we thought what was interesting is that these couples really wanted to make it work, and they weren't looking for the escape route. Because at any point, with all the things, I mean, if your husband cheats on you and has a baby with another woman, you could very well look for the exit sign. You know, if if your husband gets really sick and you look at yourself and say, oh my God, I'm gonna be a caretaker for the rest of my life, you could be looking for the exit sign. But in, or you lost all your money, you could blame the other one. I mean, you can't play the blame game, you can't run away. And I think a lot of people, and I hadn't thought about this until we started writing this book and meeting these people, probably the reason why so many people get divorced is they're afraid of the challenge. They don't think they're up to it. Because a lot of what we all feel in life, whether it's our career or our marriage or parenting or whatever, there's always this fear that you're not good enough, that you're not enough. And I think that may be why a lot of people run away from when things get tough. They don't know how. They don't know what what you need in order to make it to the other side. And one of the things I think you need is the communication to be able to tell each other, I'm scared of this. I'm not sure I know how to do this. Do we, can we do this? And if we can't, should we go talk to a professional to help us through it? I mean, all that kind of honest communication, that that doesn't happen when people get divorced like under 10 years. People get divorced. A lot of people get divorced around seven, eight, nine years because it's just too scary. They don't know how to do it. And I thought that Bryan Cranston uh, said an interesting thing. He said, you know, if you get a warning sign in your car, you don't pull over and pull up the hood and start to tinker with the car. You go to an expert. He said, I don't know why people who get a warning sign in their marriage don't take it to an expert. He said, I think that there's a stigma." About going to marriage counselors, he said, and it's crazy. He said, and we do. He said we go to a counselor, a therapist, um, but not as a referee, but as an interpreter, somebody to say, well, no, that's not what he meant, or this is what she was trying to say. Because if you can get through that, uh, Al Roker and Deborah Roberts talked a lot about that. That they just needed somebody to explain to them what the other person was saying, and. Um, uh, Brian Cranston and Robin Dearden, his wife, have a rule that if one of them says we need to go to the counselor, they both have to go, even if the other one thinks, well, we, we don't need to go now. But the rule is, if one needs to go, then you bo- then you go. And I, I think that's great, you know. I, mm-hmm. In my parents' day, I mean, going, you know, people who went to a therapist or went to a counselor were obviously we're crazy. crazy yeah. yeah, crazy. Right. Right.
0: Yeah, and I think your book is going to help normalize. I mean, I think there's we've already started having that conversation already about, but your book when you guys the fact that it's such a testament to both of you that so many of these people were willing to share all of these things yeah. and now that you're that you've put it into this book to share with everybody else, I really do I I think it's like it's contagious, this kind of honesty and vulnerability. And I think that people are going to read these stories and see, oh, wait a minute, they're doing it. We can do it, too. And we can go to a therapist. And a lot of times that stuff isn't normalized. And, and you are definitely helping to do that. And so we're both
3: I, I think it's the most visible act of love uh, for a couple to agree to go to a marriage counselor. You know, that's very, very redeeming. Right. And it speaks to the maturity of whoever is doing the initiative.
2: And the seriousness, <clears throat> you know, that they're really taking, that, you know, marriage is not a lark. You know, it's, it's sexy and it's fun and it's romantic and it's, it's an adventure and all that. But it's also in the middle of life. And all kinds of stuff is happening in life, and um, you've got you have to take it seriously. You can have all the fun in the world, but you, this union needs to be taken seriously. And you need to look at each other and say, is something wrong? I mean, are you hiding something? Are you feeling something that you're not telling me? Did I do something? You know, you got to get there. And people don't. They're they're too scared, you know. But yeah,
1: Danielle, Danielle. and I have said a lot in the podcast. Actually, I, uh, I think therapy should probably be a requirement before you actually even get married Bye. and not because you have issues. But listen, I mean, problems are inevitable in a marriage, right? You start off as two separate people and then all of a sudden you're one. Danielle and I have very different uh, beliefs, very different opinions on things, very different ways right. of the way we do things as, as well as we share in this, in a lot of these, you know, same roots. But that's where the fighting starts because she doesn't live up to my standards on certain things in the, in the beginning. And I don't live up to standards of her standards on certain things. And those, that's what starts the battling. That's what starts the fighting. If we can learn right away how to handle those situations, maybe people wouldn't get, be getting divorced so quickly and would be trying right. harder and, and know how, have the tools, have the knowledge right. of how to work on things. And and it's not that easy to figure out on yourself.
3: Anticipate the, uh, the, the things that you never thought about when you, Right, walk down the aisle or whatever.
2: And also, as Judith Vior said, no matter and they've been married sixty years. She said, no matter how hard you work at it, he's never going to be you. You're never going to be him. So accept that as a given and just accept him for the difference that he is. You know, Phil is never going to be a guy who rushes impulsively into a situation. He's going to look at it from every corner. We're going to think about this. Me, I'm already on the phone making the, you know, the reservation to go to Tahiti. (laughs) (laughs) Wondering whether or not we should do that, you know? And so that's a big difference and that's all through life. You know, he's slow to the uptake, I'm fast to the uptake. And I can say sometimes I'm too fast to the uptake and sometimes he's too slow to the uptake. And sometimes it works better to hang back and think about it as he does. And sometimes it's better to be as adventurous as I am, it's just you know you got to just live with it and roll with it until you know some as as the years have gone by. Sometimes I'll say to him, you know, you're right. Let's let us let us just lay back and think about this for a couple of days. Or he'll say, oh, you know what? I don't know what the hell I'm afraid of. Let's just go for this. So you, but that takes time to give over to the other person. Mm-hmm. At first, you think, who is this wild person? You know, wh- what are they doing? It takes I... a while to appreciate that difference.
0: Right now, especially during quarantine and we're starting to go out more and probably going to be eating out a lot more and it's summer, which means barbecues and everything like that. I am the type of person who loves to indulge. I love barbecues. I love all the junk that I've been eating during quarantine, But that doesn't mean that we don't also want to do the right thing to keep our bodies healthy for the long run. But even if we try really hard to eat kale salads and drink green smoothies, we're still most likely not getting all of the essential nutrients we need on a daily basis. That's why for me, taking ritual makes so much sense because no matter what my day is like, taking care of the kids and now they're home 24-7, I know that I've gotten in my vitamins And that whatever goes on during the day, I feel so much better knowing that I've gotten these essential nutrients that I need, even if I'm not eating the exactly the way I should be. Ritual essential is the multivitamin reimagined from D3 to omega-3 rituals essential for women helps fill gaps in a woman's diet. Ritual is traceable and transparent for obsessive label readers. All of Ritual's vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergen-free ingredients and their sources are out there for the whole world to see. Better health doesn't happen overnight, and right now Ritual is offering our listeners 10% off during your first three months. Fill in the gaps in your diet with Essential for Women, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. Visit ritual.com slash MNM to start your ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com slash MNM.
1: I wanted to ask this yeah, question because it's very dear to my heart here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, correct me if I'm wrong. You guys had a rule that you would never work together. Yeah. Right. I, I bring that up because I'm in a family business and I could have easily asked Danielle to come help me, come work with me. And I never did. And I never will.
0: <laughs> but we have a podcast together <laughs> now. So we are working together. Right.
1: But for, you know, for what I've been doing for the last 20 years, I would never ask Danielle to come with me on a daily basis to work because I know it would not be good for our marriage. I know the way I do things. I know the way she does things. They don't get, they don't get along. And I think we're better off not to work together. I mean, besides the podcast, of course, right. we love doing this together. So so to ask the question, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. so why did you finally decide to do it? And would you do it again?
2: Uh, well, you want to answer that? <laughs>
3: Well, yeah, you know, Marlo is uh, Marlo. I think is the uh, backbone of our relationship.
2: A relationship or a working relationship.
3: Everything. Really? You know?
2: Yeah. Ah, that's sweet. Yeah. That. couple
1: Points right there.
3: <laughs> I mean, um, she's a she's the take charge person, and uh, I've met we've now met so many couples. Uh, I, I will never forget, I don't know why this keeps coming up, but when I first met uh, Captain Sullenberger, the guy that landed the plane in the Hudson River, of course, I was, you know, awed by him and shook mm-hmm. his hand. And the woman next to him said, I'm Lori. And I I looked at her and I thought, wow the world fell on your house and it did the day that happened her
2: her life completely changed mm -hmm.
3: and there was no way for her to anticipate this and that's so true with a lot of yeah. relationships. She
2: lost her anonymity. But when you say I'm the backbone of our marriage, he is the most stubborn man in the world. So don't think he's a pushover. <laughs> I, what do you mean by I'm the backbone? That really <laughs> fascinates me. You've never said that in my our entire lives. You mean sure. I'm the pusher of it all? I'm no. the driving force. Is that what you mean? I
3: think you're the glue. You're you're the stick to as the nuns used to say to me. <laughs> in grammar school i didn't have it stick to it, it. <laughs> um, but you are you were uh, you're really committed i think the book is an example of your whole I view go, of life i'm I mean. a big,
2: i'm a big follow through make the list get it done kind of person phil is very loose off the cuff he always comes through he doesn't plan i'm the planner I'm the, you know, this, these are the 10 things we need to do to, to work, to, to get this to work. And one of the reasons why I didn't ever want to work with him, and I think he didn't want to work with me, is that he thought I was just a little bit too organized, you know, and would, ha- would, would be sort of cracking the whip. And I thought he's just going to be so lackadaisical that it will drive me crazy because I'm a person who wants to meet the schedule, get it done, and, you know, go have a beer. I don't want to, you know, be worried about it. But it turned out that those two personality traits worked. I'll I'll give you a good example. Elton John. The day we went to interview Elton John, we really wanted him, and we went to Toronto to get him and David Furnish, his husband. And I'm a huge Elton John fan. I mean, like you with "Free to Be You and Me," that's me and Elton John. I mean, I can sing every song he's ever done. I just adore him. Anyway. We get to Toronto, we get to the hotel, the plane is late, all that stuff. And the assistant calls and says, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but Elton's very tired. You'll only have a half hour. Well, we had like three hours with everybody. Half hour, I don't know what the hell I could get done in a half an hour. How do you talk about somebody's marriage and their life and their love in a half an hour? I completely panicked. And I I said to Phil, but we should make a list of you know 10 rapid fire questions that in 30 minutes we'll end up with something that we can write about so they're gonna to have to we can't take the time as you as you and i are doing now of having long answers and we're gonna to have to really go fast 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 as i'm saying this and getting out my pad and pen to come up with because we never we never brought in questions i'm going to make these 10 questions he turns on the ball game and puts his feet up on this ottoman and sister to watch the ball game. And I said to him, are you crazy? We we only have half an hour with Elton John, for God's sake. You got What are the 10 questions? He said, oh, don't worry about it. They're not gonna throw us out after half an hour. I said, the, the assistant said, he said, don't worry about it. Trust me. So I didn't trust him at all. i worked out my 10 questions. I was already, you know, I was gonna walk in there and go boom, boom, boom. And uh, he kind of we got up. We went in because we had like 90 minutes. They never threw us out. I didn't need those 10 questions. So that's our different personalities, you know? Yeah. I needed to make those 10 questions. There's no way. Nobody could have talked me out of that. Right. And nobody could make him panic. So I panicked. <clears throat> he didn't. We went in.
3: I think the success, <laughs> the success that we're enjoying with this book has to do with the time these couples spent with us. Yeah. Holy cow. I mean, it was, you three know, three hours,
2: two and a half hours. Yeah.
3: And I, at, when it was finally over, I'd say, I'm sorry, but we really have to go.
2: <laughs> and some of them <laughs> invited us to dinner. I mean, we stayed for hours, but I mean, that's a perfect example of when Phil says, I'm the stick to it of miss. I, I am the one that's very organized, but in a way that also gives me a lot of anxiety. Phil doesn't have that anxiety.
0: Right. So it's a good balance. Well,
2: yeah, exactly. It, yeah. it works in a way. It really does. I mean, it worked very much on this book. I thought it wouldn't work. And now we're going to do a podcast uh, based on the stories in the book. Oh,
0: good. Great. I'm looking
2: forward to it. And we had been offered before this a talk show to do together. We've been offered to, uh, when we first got married, to emcee the Emmys together, to emcee the People's Choice Awards. And we right away said, no, no, we don't want to do any of that. Well, first of all, we were terrified of becoming a professional couple, so we didn't want to do that. But we also thought, because you said one time, you were, we were both type A.
3: Yeah. What? Well, we collided. I mean, We've... even now you can see it, you know. Marlo is saying, now talk, now talk. <laughs> and I talk, Can I clear I my phone. What's going throat? On
0: over here, too?
3: <laughs> she would do eight minutes. Well,
0: I
2: mean, I, I, in a way, I'm a little bit intimidated. He's a master interviewer. You know, I'm not a master interviewer. I'm a really good actress, a good comedian. I'm not a master interviewer. And when we would go into these interviews, I would say to him, You talk, you're the one. I mean, I don't want to look like I'm taking over. You've got to have the right. best questions. And he did most of the time. Um, But while I would go in and try to make everything, you know, do everything, put it all together, make everybody comfortable, you know, then he'd come in with the question. He was the one who got Jesse Jackson's wife to talk about the fact that she had an affair. I would have never gone there. Mm -hmm. But he went into it, you know. Jackie
3: Jackson said when people ask her how many children she has or they have, she would say, well, I have four.
2: Five. Mm -hmm.
3: I have five. The Reverend has six.
2: Right. So...
3: (laughs) I mean, that's the way she dealt with it. Yeah. Uh, But uh, but she was also, you know, she said, he belongs to me. So she was very almost militaristic about the marriage, their relationship, and he wasn't going anywhere.
2: But I also like what she said. As a woman, it really touched me. She said, this marriage is a testament to my character. And I Mm -hmm. thought that was such a... Interesting thing to say. In other words, she had the kind of character that could deal with what, with this man's betrayal and that she would forgive him and she would make it work again. You know, that, I thought that was a very touching thing to say. It almost, almost made me cry, you know, to have her say that this marriage is a testament to my character. She also said, if a woman doesn't want a marriage to last, it won't last. She said, if a woman decides the marriage is over, it's over and i i I think that's true. Do you think that's true?
0: yeah, I think when when we've gone through hard times that it has certainly, I mean, well, it's it's interesting because during the pandemic, we've gone through really hard times before with, um, you know, things like, um, we, we talk about it all the time in our podcast that, you know, I have really bad um, anxiety and OCD. I mean, like for real OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. And Adam has gone through um, bouts with drinking and gambling and everything. And I think through those types of things, I have, I mean, I guess sort of, I've been more the rock. But then, through this pandemic, he was a hundred percent the one who kept us together. I was useless. Like I couldn't even function for a little bit. You know, we have three kids at home, two dogs. you know, I was homeschooling and everything. and and he wasn't working, and it wound up being such a gift because he really was the glue that held me together, even though for so long, I think maybe it was the opposite. Right. Yeah, I think so. But through this, for sure, he was the rock. And, and I mean, yeah, it was definitely a, a, a switch. And I and I think
2: I think that's true in a good marriage. I think you take turns, you know, I mean, there are times when I uh, that have been tough for me when Phil was the glue. You know, when I lost my father, it was a sudden death and it really shook me. And he, I would never have gotten through it without him. He put me together. He brought my mom in from Los Angeles to come live with us for three months. He just took it over. He had people come over for dinner that would make us laugh. He would took my, I didn't feel like going out, but he would take my mother out. And because I'm well known, I didn't like going out because people would come up to me and talk to me and, and they would cry about my father and I didn't want to deal with them. Right. So I, he would take my mom out. And he just, he just ran our lives for three months. So he was the glue then. So it just, I mean, you, in fact, I, I think if you don't have that in a marriage, if you don't take turns being the glue, you don't take turns being the backbone of the marriage, you know, then you're, then one person is doing all the heavy lifting and, and that's not possible. You know, I have a, as you can see, I talk a lot, right? Uh, As you can hear, I talk a lot. And so sometimes I say things where I've just put my foot in my mouth and I'm, you know, when I come home or the next morning I'll say, Oh my God, I shouldn't have said that." why did I say that? <laughs> that sounds so
0: familiar. <laughs> I, oh,
1: sounds so
2: familiar in this room. Yeah, yeah. Same never thing. Said that, oh my God, they're never going to speak to me again. And he'll say to me, Oh, that was charming. They loved it. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: that's exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. I, so,
2: in, uh, so this, this glue that he says I am, he, he's also that one right. that doesn't allow me to wallow in my own neurosis of a I'm not perfect. You know, I want to be perfect. That's another whole neurosis that I have that I want to be perfect. I want to do it all just really great. Well, I don't. I I step on a person's toes. I didn't mean to. And when I, you know, moan about it, you know, he's the one that says, Oh, no, that was adorable. They thought it was charming. Let's go have a sandwich. You know what I mean? It it gets me out of it. That's a very important thing. Yeah. Very
0: important. I agree. That's, yeah, I would say the same thing, that whenever I'm nervous about something, he is always there to calm me down. And that's a really big, yeah, that's important.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: And vice versa. I mean, when he says it too, you know, I mm-hmm. should I have, should I this? But he's less, he's less, uh, uh, what's the word? You know, he he does less. Monday morning quarterbacking than I do. I'm always in you know, a replaying it. I have an instant replay going
3: on all the time.
0: Right, right. <laughs>
3: well that's a result of you, you know. I mean, when it was finally over for me professionally, how many I don't know how many shows? It was over five thousand. You
2: did six thousand hours. Wow. Six
3: thousand hours, you know. <laughs> I mean that that sort of takes the edge <laughs> off a lot of things. Um you know, and, and most of those shows featured one guest. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you learn to keep the feather in the air, you know.
2: And roll with it. Yeah. 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 I think that's true. I think what he's saying is, is accurate. You, my personality could not have done 6,000 hours. I would be still worrying about what I said 3,000 hours ago. Right. <laughs> right. Bill could do an hour and get on to the next hour and the next hour. He gave it his all, and you know, he was sopping wet when the show was over. He gave everything he had, but then he had a beer. You know, it wasn't he wasn't redoing it, and that's a very important uh, feature if you're doing, you know, well, as you're doing here, a live show. I mean, this goes out the way it is. You know, you're not going to be, uh, you know, making it prettier. This is it. You know, in my business, you know, we edit it and fix it up and, you know, take out the bad stuff and put in the good stuff. It's it's live is very different.
0: Yeah, um, I, we always talk about Esther Perel on our podcast constantly. Who is a marriage counselor? She has a podcast and everything, and she always says that she believes that you can have uh, many different relationships, many different marriages with the same person within the same marriage, so that you go through periods of you know times when. It feels like a completely different marriage than maybe even what you had five years ago, 10 years ago. And I was wondering what your thoughts are on that. And do you feel like that about your marriage, that it's gone through many different phases and what other people said about it?
2: I do. I don't know about other people, but I, I, we, we have talked about this, that our marriage is different now.
3: Well, I think they should be. I mean, uh, you know, nobody can be somebody's everything. no matter what the song may say. And uh, I think, you know, to accommodate uh, another person, I mean, in in your life, there every day, takes, I think, uh, an awareness of uh, the nature of the human animal. I mean, we just, we're, our, our, our interests can be limited, especially if you're married to me. <laughs>
2: no, no, no. but I mean, I think what you're saying is, does the mar- is the marriage different? The marriage we had in the first ten years is not the marriage we have now. No, no no I mean, and, and and I think that we've we've gotten better through years. I mean, you used to have a terrible temper, and you made a decision you told me at one point about twenty years ago you 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 talk about it in the book, right that you that you stopped you said I stopped going crazy and pulling the trigger on my anger. Did I,
3: I did, yeah, i uh, I learned to calm down, not run off every time a bell rang, and that it was exhausting. I mean, it took a lot of energy. It was draining. It's like jealousy. I mean, jealousy is a killer. I mean, Nothing will wear you down more than jealousy. Uh, your br- your mind just goes crazy and yeah. goes through several terrible yeah. chapters. He
2: was very jealous our first few years. Really, I mean, ridiculously so. And, and and he had these fears. Like he said to me one time, I've never been with an actress before. He had gone out with journalists and other women in other professions. He said, how will I know when you're telling me the truth? I mean, how will I not know that you're acting? Like, if I would cry, I could see he was looking at me like, you know, had I pulled a cry trigger or something. (laughs) He wasn't sure. Uh, And I realized, oh, my God, he's going to have to deal with that because I never thought of it. I grew up in Hollywood where everybody was an actor, a writer, a director, so I I never thought about that. But that's something he thought about. So he had to make an adjustment to that fear that he had. And I think in many ways that might have fed your jealousy. I'm not sure
3: why. And who was it was jealous and uh, flew home without telling his wife. Oh,
2: yeah, oh, that,
0: yeah, I heard. read right, right about that with Kelly Ripa yeah. and Mark uh, and Smith that he
2: killed. Phil did him. that too? I did a movie with Chris Christopherson and Phil was convinced that something was going on between me and Chris Christopherson.
3: Well, they they had a love scene in the movie that lasted, you know, about four and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, I had to adjust to that. I mean, yeah. that's. That's what you get when you're married to an actress. Right,
2: right. Yeah. But, but, uh, so, so as you drop those things, as, as he dropped the jealousy and as he dropped his anger and I dropped my, uh, bossiness, um, cause it wasn't helping. I can't make Phil do something. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I have to really come like a lawyer loaded with my case to get him to do something, whether it's going to Tahiti or going for dinner at a certain restaurant. That I have to have a real case. And uh, that's why when he said to me that I, I was the the spine, I thought, what? I have, to, I have to put together such a brief to get him to do anything, but that's okay. It, it took me away from my, my ability to boss him around, which I did with other boyfriends, you know? Um, and also, as I said, we're both type A personalities. He wants his way. That's for sure. And I want my way. So we had to figure out, okay, how do we get through this, this day, this month, this year with a, in a, in a, you know, what's the word? Not much a compromise, but a, a negotiation, I guess, you know? And I think we came to the, the idea that if this means more to you to have this than it does to me not to have it, let's go with the person who needs it the most, mm-hmm. who has to have it the most. So that's been sort of a North Star for us. When, and we used to have to negotiate that. Now I think we see that. Now I can see this really means something to him. We should do it. I'm not going to fight this. You know, I don't want to do it because it's an inconvenience. He really wants to do it because it gives him pleasure. Let's just do it. And right. I think we've come to that. But that takes a while. We've been married 40 years. That took about 20 years right there. And it took yeah. about 10 years for us to stop fighting. And it took us several years to stop wanting to break each other of a habit we didn't like. Like Phil used to fight with me terribly. And it's in oh, the book about the, the luggage. luggage. yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs>
1: I, could see he, I, could well, see
0: I thought it was going to be like so much more serious.
3: <laughs> We'd pull up to LaGuardia or JFK, <laughs> and every porter outside would run to the car because they knew this was going to be a big one. <laughs> so, you know, I, I mean... I was out of money by the time we got on the plane. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he would argue with me as we were leaving the apartment. He would say, why are you taking this many bags? La, 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 la. We get in the car. Why have you taken I I don't know, where there's so many, we're not going to be gone that long. Then we'd get into the airport and he would say to the, the, the baggage guy, do you believe we're going away for one week and she's got three bags? You know, like the baggage guy gives a damn how many bags this woman who doesn't have. <laughs> right? And then that went on <laughs> for like 20 years, literally.
0: And I then mean, th- you probably were on vacation, and he was happy you had packed as much as you had. He probably needed half the stuff in there. I
2: know. <laughs> well, we went on a vacation one time to Hawaii, one of our first trips. And it was, we were going for like two weeks. And I had you know a zillion bags. And he had like one little bag. So I hang up everything in the closet in the hotel room. that smashes in the closet. He's got a, like a little teeny area for his two little shirts and pair of pants. And at, about the third day, I said to him, as I looked in the closet, I said, what does it feel like to have worn everything you brought in just three days? <laughs> and we had to go to the store to buy him some more white pants and things, because he didn't have enough clothes. <laughs> I don't buy anything when I go on a trip. I brought, it, I brought my whole closet.
0: I oh, to that's it. too funny. Uh, I wanted to do, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar at all with TikTok. Yeah. But there's a TikTok challenge that's called the Couples Challenge where we ask a question, we're gonna ask you and in TikTok you just point to each other because it's video. So this isn't video, so you have to kind of talk and say who it is. But I wanted to ask you some rapid fire tick tock questions about each other or we're we together. Or do we tell the other one to answer? Nope, so you can you can both answer or one of you can, it doesn't matter, but... Um, so right. this
1: has nothing to do with TikTok is what you're saying.
0: No, it's a TikTok so challenge. So we're just going to ask some questions. We're going to ask them <laughs> challenge, but it's the TikTok challenge.
1: Okay. <laughs> so, okay, you want to do? Okay, so so it's a, just like a quick rapid yeah, fire kind of thing? rapid fire. Good. Who's funnier?
3: Margaret or So Marlo is? Yes.
1: Okay. <laughs> who would be more likely to survive in a, in a zombie apocalypse?
3: Oh,
2: definitely Phil. <laughs> <laughs>
1: definitely
2: Phil. Uh,
0: who says sorry more easily?
3: Mm. Me. Me <laughs> okay. I think. Okay. I think.
0: Who's more of a homebody?
2: Oh, he is for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the gavel. I'm out there.
1: <laughs>
0: Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: So, who is usually more in the mood? <laughs> wink, wink. wink. Uh,
0: take turns on that one. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> who has better taste in music? Who does what? Who has better taste in music? I don't
2: know. I mean, other than Neil Diamond, he has pretty good taste. I <laughs> like he loves.
1: Other stuff. than Neil Diamond, I love <laughs> Neil Diamond.
2: <laughs> I, love I, I don't like get...
3: him.
1: Who's
2: a better cook? Uh, what do you think, honey? Uh,
3: well, probably neither of us. Uh,
2: <laughs> uh, you, you're a better griller, and you're better well, I,
3: I had, uh, I can never think of her name, the oh, fe- yeah. female
2: oh, uh, yeah. chef. Child, Julia Child.
3: Julia Child. <laughs> you know, she would come on my show. <laughs> and she made, um, crepes. No, chicken. Oh yeah,
2: cannelloni.
3: Cannelloni. Right. And I she gave me a mimeograph of the recipe. Mimeograph. Well, when I finally got through with chicken cannelloni, <laughs> it looked like a mass murder had happened in the kitchen. I mean, it was This is a supposed wreck. to be a, a quick round. I think
2: we oh, were yeah, Oh no, I it's okay. It's
0: okay. You guys are allowed to talk, we're not.
2: Oh, I <laughs> well, I'm very good at cooking. My mother, I'm Italian, half Italian. So, I can make a lot of my mother's Italian recipes. So, those are real substantial meals. But he can grill and that kind of stuff. Okay. But-
1: Do you remember the show? I'm just thinking back to the 80s and cooking shows. Was it Wak Can Cook? I don't know. Like a, like a, like a, was it like a, a Chinese food? Wak, Wak can No, nobody? Nobody. No. I don't remember. Oh, man, I used to love that cooking show. All right, anyway.
0: Who's more adventurous? I think you answered this already kind of, but who's more adventurous? I am. Okay. <laughs> and who's more likely to stay out at a party later?
2: Me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's the homebody. Right, right. I'll
2: go out, stay out late. Right.
0: Even Who after everybody? quarantine, are you ready, Phil, to go out and party it up or you're, you're, you're happy? You're, you're in your, you're in your uh, realm.
3: You know, well, I, you know, I'm you know i embarrassed by the number of times when we've gone out together that I've sat in the corner <laughs> while she's meeting everybody in the room. So, you know, I'm not proud of that. I, I think...
2: Well, you're always sitting with one person. Like, I'll go uh, uh, We'll go to a party and I see it. I'm like, you know, like the butterfly. I want to meet this one and this one and this one. But I look over and he's in a very important conversation with one person. So, who's having the better time? We're each having our own kind of good time, right? Yeah. If he's sitting there, you were there with Lawrence O'Donnell or somebody like that at, when we went to a party, one of the last parties we went to before the quarantine. And you were in this deep conversation. And I'm always, you know, we're always checking to see how the other one is doing. And I see him and he's having it, but I'm. Meeting everybody at the party, but it's just we have a different style, you know. Right. I, I, don't forget, you know, I'm from, I'm from L.A., you know, and he's from the Midwest. And in L.A., you know, I mean, even as kids, you had big parties and you met everybody and you danced with everybody. Phil's from the Midwest, where it's a little calmer, a little quieter, you know, a, a little more, you know, tame. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so it's the way you're raised. What you think, what you think is the way to do something, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have a surprisingly, as, as much as we've been married for almost twenty years, we have a ton of um, newlyweds and engaged couples who li- listen to the podcast, uh, which we love. It's so awesome. So I was just wondering what you would say to them if you could even go back and tell yourselves something before you were married, or what you would want to tell them. That you wish someone had told you about marriage.
2: Yeah, well, I, I think that, um, that to to allow each person to be who they are, to to not to not go into it thinking that you're going to get him to be less of that or get her to be more of this. I think we all go into that thinking, you know, I'll break him of that, I'll change her for that. I think when what Judah Yora said. You know, he'll never be you. You'll never be him. Accept those differences. See them as a different flower. You know, if I'm a rose and, and he's a, a, a hyacinth or whatever, we're be, both beautiful. We're just different. And, you know, to be able to live um, without wanting them, you, each other to be the same. And the interesting thing is we don't usually pick somebody just like us. You know, we really don't. I mean, you two, I can tell right off. You know, you're not the same and we're not the same. Mm -hmm. So we don't, we don't pick each other, you know, that way. So why do we expect them to become us? We don't even like them for that reason. We like them for this other reason because they are different. You know, I, I give Phil something that he doesn't have and he gives me something that I don't have. So I, I think more than anything, it's, to accept the other person for who they are and love them for that, right. you know. What does
3: you? Does Adams speak?
1: <laughs> <laughs> when she she pinches me under the table when it's when I'm allowed, <laughs> and that's when I say something.
2: A <laughs> newlywed.
3: Well, I I hate to sound like an old fart, but uh, <coughs> um, you know. We are, most of us get married in a cloud of lust. And that's a very nice place to be. But it, you know, when it starts to go down, it really goes down. And I think somehow, you know, it's better for the relationship if you anticipate that, at least understand that it is for all of us, a temporary condition and not to let whatever well, a lot disappointment.
2: Of, yeah. Or to, or to look for another partner. That's what we see a lot in some marriages. The The hot, hot that you have when you first get married, you can never, never stay that way for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. But you can, I mean, obviously you continue to feed it and have it, but there are some people who have to have, that hot, hot new beginning. And if you're looking for that all the time, then marriage is probably not for you because you can't have that all the time. And I think we've, we've known couples who, who cheat on each other because they have to have, you know, it's a, an immature thing to believe that anything is the same at, at the top as it is in the middle and so forth. One of the things that I think feeds sexuality is um, the time that you give each other to really look at each other. Because in the beginning, when you just have that, that uh, I call it kind of a spontaneous combustion, you know, it's just so electric. When you have that, you're not really looking at the other person. You're kind of just feeling what you feel. After a while, you start to look at the other person. And I think that makes it in some ways sexier because you're dealing with, with just what you feel feel in the beginning not so much you know who the other person is you just know what you're feeling once you start looking at the other person i think you find more things that are tender and sexy about that person that you didn't notice at first because your own body was so on fire
3: and adam agrees with that i mean <laughs> <laughs>
1: do, do you know what i mean not only do I, do I know what you mean we just talked about that not too long ago um do you remember talking about this where we were talking about the excitement that you get when you meet a person for the first time and you kiss them for the first time and all the first times you, and you're never going to have those excitements again for the rest of your life if you're staying married you were set, and then Danielle came back to me with I know but then we have these new things that you never experienced before because we're evolving together and we're having these new excitements together things that you can never have with a new person for the first time if you just meet and so there's all these new, newly renovated things that you're getting excited about on a day by day basis, just because we're evolving together. And, and you couldn't get that if you were dating new people all the time.
2: Well, you know, uh, Peter Herman, who's married to Mariska Hargate, I thought he put it really great. He said, if you want, and he was quoting something, uh, some other writer who had written this if you want infinite variety, stay with the same person. If you want sameness, see a lot of different people, which sounds contradictory, but he's saying it
1: so.
2: Yeah. When you see different people all the time, you are telling your same stories that you know work. You're as charming as hell. You're actually falling in love with yourself over and over and over again with each new partner you have. But when you have just one partner, you find inside of yourself and in each other an infinite variety of things that you didn't have time to open up before, because you were so busy performing for your, you know, yourself and to get these other people to be crazy about you. I thought that was so interesting. Yeah. Chris Rock, Chris Rock said it in one of his uh, routines. that He said, when you first go out with somebody, you're not really yourself. You're the representative of yourself. You're representing your best, most exciting, charming, sexy self. It's once you get past that that you start to find the other layers that are kind of more delicious in a way, you know, because they're, they're, they're what got uncovered from you knowing each other, not what you brought in that you already know works. All those fabulous stories with what you did when you were in college and, you know, how funny you are and all your funny, you know, once all that's gone, you've told all those stories. Now you're going to get to something better.
3: Now we also talked to more than a couple of, couples yeah, who fell in love at first sight. Uh-huh. Us? But, um, yeah. yeah. Us? Um, yes. And, uh, and it, you know, uh, Malcolm Gladwell wrote the book Blink. Uh-huh. That was, you know, <coughs> I, and there's something to that.
2: Well, what did he say in Blink?
3: That uh, the f- first impression is a very, very important one. It doesn't always lead to, "Oh baby, I love you forever." It can happen between the same sex or another sex. but uh, the first time you see a person, blink, is a very important uh, moment, because it does it does determine. The nature of the relationship very, that's to follow,
2: and it's it's very chemical. I mean, I, I really I, I really think that. I think yeah. I, I I think the interesting thing is, and it was fascinating to talk to so many people, so many couples, forty different couples, who pretty much fell in love easily and early and all. Uh, but what they had in common was that hot stuff that started, that could burn out. And we've all been there. You know, you meet somebody and it's sexy and exciting and everything. And then it kind of burns out. The reason it doesn't burn out is that there's more there. You know, you start with the lust. That's the way, you know, God intended for the world to continue. It starts out with the heat and the lust. And it either burns out or it it burns through to something better and more lasting. More substantial. More substantial, more... And and still exciting. I mean, it isn't that it's not exciting, but it can burn off. I mean, I, I mean, there. I never really thought I was in love before, but I played around at love. You know, I didn't get married till I was forty-two, so I was. I had a lot of boyfriends, and they burned out. It it burned
3: out. You know, you did how many did you have? <laughs> <laughs> that be the-
2: right, 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 right,
0: right. <laughs> Well, thank you guys so much. I vote that you guys do another project together. Oh, you are going to do the podcast, yes,
2: right? Yeah. So
0: when is that?
2: Uh, I, I guess in a couple of months. Well, we're, we're trying to figure it out because the pandemic slowed it down. Um, right. And now we're going to walk into an election year,
1: so yeah.
2: it, it, we got to figure it out now.
0: Yeah.
2: Originally going to start uh in uh, the end, like the end of June, and we we just had to push that away yeah mm-hmm. so now it would logically start in October but then you're going to walk into the election this is going to be a rough election so we're trying to figure out you think yeah <laughs> yeah. So, yeah yeah we'll to that out. but we're excited in fact we're we've signed up with the Malcolm Gladwell's podcast company Pushkin.
0: Oh, awesome! I love his podcast. Yeah. That's great. Well, yeah. if you have any questions, we're happy to answer them for you. We've been we're doing this. Come on,
2: now. we're going to be interviewing married people. You have to come on our.
0: Oh, we would love to. That would yeah, be an really Adam amazing. will talk this time. No,
1: we'll- <laughs> well, if, if, listen, I, I try talking. You told me to shut up. So, yeah, you
0: shut up! You both heard it. I did you not you say said shut get up. to the point.
1: So, to me, that means that you know. I, know. I just
0: got to be careful um, what I am.
1: Uh, is it?
3: Is I
0: miss it his marriage.
3: Adam, is it Stein or Steen? Steen. Steen. Silverstein. Yes.
0: Silverstein. Steen. Yep.
3: <laughs>
0: but really, thank you guys so much. I think the book is so awesome. And I think that, you know, I think no matter how long somebody's been married, it is something that everyone should have and, and read through. And, um, thank you. I love That's it. We, yeah, it's great.
2: You two are but, adorable. Thank you. Oh,
1: thank <laughs> you.
0: <laughs> thank you. Bye, nice guys. You guys. Nice meeting you. Yeah. <laughs> Bye.